Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles. And we're just going to read two verses today. But I'll tell you what we will do. Let's, let's stand, if you're able, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter number 12. Early in the week, God began to speak to my heart, and I was hoping that maybe God would give me something that would, that would uh, help our young people. So I want to preach to our young people today, especially uh, since it's Youth Sunday. But this is going to be a message that's going to help us all, not just our young people, but especially today, I want to preach uh, directly to our young folks this morning. And, uh, and I know, I know to our young people, I seem, I, I seem like a dinosaur, you know, but I still feel young. I really do. I don't feel, I don't feel old. And, uh, but I understand. I understand. But kids, believe it or not, I was young one time. I was. And I had hair. When my wife and I got married, I had just bushy hair. You wouldn't believe it. And it was dark. And then I started pastoring. Oh, man. And it all fell out and went white. And, uh. I'm picking around a little bit this morning. Romans chapter 12, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I want you to, to notice especially verse number 2. The Bible says there, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's read that one together today as a church. Verse 2, ready? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, it's, uh, it's about uh, 12 minutes till, till 12 right now. And if you are a regular member here at Calvary Baptist Church, I almost always try to get everybody out here by 1230. And we're, not, we're, we're probably going to hit that today without a problem. But I want you to really give me your undivided attention just for the next few minutes as I talk about remodeling your mind. Remodeling your mind. And so you may be seated this morning. We're, we're going to pray and jump right into the Bible study this morning, and I hope it will be a blessing. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. God, we thank you for the wonderful spirit of worship that's here today. It's good to see hearts already spoken to. You've spoken to mine, and I'm thankful for that. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to do a very special work. Lord, if there may be those that are not saved, I pray today will be the day that they'll come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Or, Lord, today... Maybe you would see fit to challenge the heart of a young person that's listening to their preacher today. And uh, I, I pray that you would keep them from disaster and uh, from sadness and heartache. Now, Lord, you want them to have a happy life and a great life and a productive life. And you've got such big plans for them. And so, Lord, today I pray that you'll knit our hearts together as we learn something from the Bible. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and be not conformed, and I want to draw out several words in this verse this morning, if I may, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I understand this verse uh, in its context, and I, I believe I, I do at least somewhat, the teaching here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is this. The world thinks one way, but Christians are to have a totally separate way of thinking. 
You'll notice there the Bible says, and be not conformed, be not conformed. And we know that our New Testament is translated from Greek, Koine Greek, and it's the word syschematizo, syschematizo. And we get a word from that in our English language. It's called schematic. Some of you folks that work in construction and building and things like that, you know exactly what a schematic is. Uh, schematic simply means a design. It's, sometimes it's a blueprint, a, a schematic. And what the Bible is saying here is that we're not to follow the schematic of the world. We're not to follow the design of the world in our thinking. Our thinking is to be totally different. In other words, the word means, if you begin to study it out, it means to fashion alike, to be not conformed to this world, to fashion alike. Don't let your thinking, don't let your mind be fashioned alike the world. And so the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. But notice, it says, but be ye transformed. I want to notice that word, transformed. It's the Greek word metamorpho, and it means to change into another form, metamorphosis. Hey, you ever watch a caterpillar get up and build himself a cocoon, and he stays in that cocoon for a little while, and then a metamorphosis takes place. And when that caterpillar comes out of that cocoon, he comes out a beautiful butterfly with all these different colors. Why? Because a, a transformation, a metamorphosis took place. That's exactly what Romans chapter 12 and verse number two is teaching here. That, that you and I as children of God are to have a metamorphosis take place in our thinking, in our mind, in the way we think. And you'll notice there the Bible says, but be ye transformed by the renewing, by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing there is the word renovation or remodel. Uh, we understand that word. We hear it all the time. There are shows all over television that have to deal with remodeling and extreme makeovers and all those kind of things. And that's what it means to be renovated, to be remodeled. It means a complete change for the better. And what the Bible's teaching here is this, that our thought processes are to be contrary to the world and they're to take on another form. Now, church, listen to me. This is so important that the Spirit of God saw fit to mention this twice. Now, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it for you. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 23, the Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There again, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number 23. Be renovated, be remodeled in your mind. Now, you know what remodeling is. Remodel means you take out the bad and you put in the new. Uh, you, you break down things, you tear out things, you cut out things, you, you throw those things out in the dumpster and you bring in new things, better looking things, uh, more quality, uh, things that are, are beautiful. And that's what the Bible's saying here, that our, our mind, that our thinking as a child of God is not to be conformed to the image of this world, but it's to be transformed, is to take on a, a metamorphosis. How? Through the renewing or the renovation or the remodeling of our mind. Now, church, you know this is the truth. It is a shame that many in our world today are allowing others to dictate what they think. And, and listen, if you let this world do it, it'll do it every time. We have a liberal media. We have a liberal media that is trying to control the minds of our young people and influence the minds of our young people on some very important topics. I thought about this. Hollywood desires to guide the thinking of this world. 
And I know, uh, kids, listen, I know it seems, you know, Hollywood makes sin look so glamorous and prestigious and, boy, they show you the bright lights and, and they show you the gleam and the glisten and all those things. And, but I just, listen, and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. From somebody that's been there, Hollywood isn't all it's cracked up to be. I mean, listen, I remember the first time we went, now we've been several times, but I remember the first time we went to Hollywood, when we got done, I thought, this is it. I mean, this is it. This is what everybody talks about, Hollywood. And uh, listen, I've never seen more street people and homeless people and people that have no shoes on their feet and dirty and no place to live and drug addicts all over the streets. I mean, everywhere you walk, there's drug addicts. And Now, why? I'll tell you why. Because the devil is a liar. And the devil, t- the, the devil never tells you the truth. He lies to you and he tries to deceive you into thinking a certain way. And that's why God says... Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, remodeling your mind. May I say this morning, Calvary, that if we're going to be remodeled or have remodeled thinking, then you need to be reborn spiritually. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be remodeling your mind, then you need to let the master renovator come in your mind and begin to renovate. And, uh, well, we've had that happen in our house. We've had some master renovators come in our home and, uh, and tear out the old and put in the new. And it's amazing the, the transformation that they can cause to happen. And you know what? If you'll allow the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life, yeah. did you know that Jesus can come in and he can make an amazing change in the way you think? Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 Ezekiel said, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. Second Timothy chapter one and verse number seven, the Bible says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, a sound mind. Now I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, to second Corinthians chapter number 10. And since we're talking about this thing of remodeling our mind, I want you to notice, again, Scripture says much about this subject. And I want you to notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 3 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. And I'm going to read this, then I'm going to jump right into the message, and it's going to pick up speed, and we're going to be out of here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here it is. Casting down what? Imaginations. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Here it is. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, listen. You just, you cannot afford to go through life and let this world dictate what you're going to think. You can't afford to go through life and let Hollywood dictate the way you're going to think and the way your mind is going to work. Listen, we have got to get saved and then we've got to yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost and we've got to let God come in and start tearing things out and tearing things down and taking things out and we've got to let God begin to remodel our mind and remodel our thinking. Now I got to thinking about that a little bit about this thing of remodeling and, and the mind. And, uh, and, and I got to thinking about, uh, you know what? The remodeled thinking says some very different things than that of the world's thinking. I want to give you three thoughts and we're going to be done. We're going to be done. 
And I put a few things up on the screen if you want to write them down. How about this? Number one, remodeled thinking says this, that death doesn't bring dread. Now, that's not the way the world thinks. The world don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about funerals. They don't want to plan their funerals. They don't want to even think about dying. You know why? Because it scares them to death to think about dying. I want to tell you what, church, we better think about it. Because every one of us, including the guy that's preaching to you, could be one breath away. We think we'll be here tonight. We don't know we'll be here tonight because, you know what, life is fragile and death is sure and, and, and we all have an appointment and death is going to come. But here's the great thing. If you allow the Lord to come in and remodel your thinking and renovate your thinking, did you know that for the child of God, death doesn't have to bring dread? I want you to take your Bibles and turn over with me, please, to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and look, if you will, at verse number 54. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 54. Notice what our Bible tells us here about this subject of death and dying. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 54, the Bible says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Watch now. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Here it is, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know this morning, Calvary, that the sting of death has been removed by the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Did you know when Christ, the Son of God, came out of the grave, the Bible says that the keys of death, hell, and the grave were placed in his hand? And now that means that he controls death, hell, and the grave. And that means this, for the child of God, death does not bring dread. The sting is gone. You've heard the story about the daddy, a dad and his son, a young son, were in the car and they were traveling. And they didn't, understand, they didn't realize it, but when they got in the car, a bee had come in the car with them. And that, that bee began to fly around in the car, and, and the little boy saw the bee, and he just began to cry. He was so terrified, almost, almost to a panic. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the dad reached up, and the dad grabbed the bee, caught the bee in his hand. And just, a, just a, a few seconds later, he opened his hand. The bee flew out. The little boy started screaming again. And he said, son, you don't have to worry about that bee. He said, Daddy, the bee. He said, Son, you don't have to worry about that bee. He said, Why? He said, Because his stinger is right here in my hand. He said, He stung me and he left the stinger in my hand. And he said, That bee has no way of stinging you ever again. I want to tell you what, buddy, thank God, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this sin cursed earth, and every sin I've ever committed never will commit, and every sin that you've ever committed never will commit. Jesus took those sins and put those sins on himself, and he went to a cross of Calvary, and they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head, and thank God death left its stinger in the hand of Jesus Christ. 
Because of that, I don't have to worry. Listen, I'm not saying I want to die. I'm not saying that at all. I love life. I love life. I love my wife, love my kids, love my family. I love my church family. I enjoy coming to church. It's one of my highlights of the week. But I'm just telling you, brother, if tonight you hear, oh, did you hear? Did you hear? Preacher had a heart attack this afternoon. Did you hear? Preacher had a heart attack. He died. Listen, you can just rest assured that when I close my eyes here, I open my eyes over there. Can you imagine the song says, man, think about, just think about when you take that last breath of air in your lungs here and the next breath of air is celestial air. It's air like you've never breathed. Can you imagine holding that loved one's hand on this side? But when you close your, your eyes on the other side, you reach out to a nail-scarred hand and that nail-scarred, yes, sir, brother. I'm telling you, death holds no dread for the child of God this morning. I think about, I was reading this week, I was reading, some of you have heard Dr. Charles Weigel. Dr. Weigel wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. What a song, great song. Dr. Weigel was way up in age. In fact, he was living on the campus there at Tennessee Temple University. And, and Dr. Robertson and, and his workers were helping take care of Dr. Weigel. And, and uh, he was 96 years old. Had to be fine. He had to be taken to the hospital. Brother Howells, my preacher, uh, went down to, to visit with Dr. Weigel in the hospital. And, and he, it, Brother Weigel's 96. He couldn't even speak. And somehow he whispered out or wrote it down. And he told Brother Howells, he said, I want to go home. I want to go home. And Brother House said, you know what, Dr. Wiggins, I don't think that'd be a good idea. You need to stay here in the hospital. You're not well. You need to stay here in the hospital. And they said that Dr. Weigel started pointing up with those old bony fingers. He started pointing up. What was he saying? I don't want to go to that home. I want to go to this home. I want to go home. I want to go be with my Lord. I want to go be with my Savior. Boy, thank God that death for the child of God doesn't have to bring dread. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, that's a different, different thing altogether. This is a youth service, and so I wanna, I'm just going to use this. I don't hardly ever use this, but I want to use it this morning because this is a youth service. You know what, young people? We love you this morning, but just because you're 15 or 16 or whatever the case may be doesn't mean that death can't come for you. Young people die every single day. I read this story and it goes something like this. The day I died was an ordinary school day. How I wish I had taken the bus, but I was too cool for the bus. I remember how I wheedled the car out of mom. Special favor, I pleaded. All the kids drive. When the 250 bell rang, I, I threw all my books in the locker. I was free until 8.40 tomorrow morning. I ran to the parking lot, excited at the thought of driving a car and being my own boss, free. It doesn't matter how the accident happened. I was goofing off, going too fast, taking crazy chances. But I was enjoying my freedom and having fun. The last thing I remember was passing an old lady who seemed to be going awfully slow. I heard a deafening crash and I felt a terrible jolt. Glass and steel flew everywhere. My whole body seemed to be turning inside out. I heard myself scream. Suddenly, I awakened. It was very quiet. A police officer was standing over me. Then I saw a doctor. My body was mangled. I was saturated with blood. 
Pieces of jagged glass were sticking out all over. Strange that I couldn't feel anything. Hey, hey, don't pull that sheet over my head. I can't be dead. I'm only 17. I've got a date tonight. I'm supposed to grow up and have a wonderful life. I haven't lived yet. I, I can't be, I can't be dead. Later, I was placed in a drawer. My folks had to identify me. Why did they have to see me like this? Why did I have to look at mom's eyes when she faced the most terrible ordeal of her life? Dad suddenly looked like an old man. He told the man in charge, yes, he's my son. The funeral was a weird experience. I saw all my relatives and friends walk toward the casket. They passed by one by one and looked at me with the saddest eyes I've ever seen. Some of my buddies were crying. A few of the girls touched my hand and sobbed as they walked away. Please, somebody, wake me up. Get me out of here. I can't bear to see my mom and dad so broken up. My grandparents are so racked with grief that they can hardly walk. My brothers and sisters are like zombies. They move like robots in a daze. Everybody, no one can believe this, and I can't believe it either. Please don't bury me. I'm not dead. I, had a, I have a lot of living to do. I want to I wanna laugh and, and run again. Please, don't put me in the ground. I promise if you give me just one more chance, God, I'll be the most careful driver in the whole world. All I want is one more chance. Please, God, I'm only 17. Now, I just said that to say this. You know what? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior, you ought to give your heart to Christ today. Because you don't know. You don't know if you'll make it home safely. You don't know if you'll ever make it back to this church. You say, Pastor, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Well, I'll make you a deal. Next time, next time I come back to Calvary, I promise you I'll get saved. And that's wonderful. But the truth is you don't know that you'll make it back to Calvary. You may never make it back here. You may never go back to school again. Death may be coming. But oh, this is what I'm trying to say. But remodeled thinking says this, that when I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, I don't have to be scared of death. I don't have to be worried of death because death brings no dread. Let's, let's hurry this morning. Not only does remodeled thinking say that death brings no dread, but number two, I'll just hit this and go to the last thing. Number two, remodeled thinking says possessions are not priority. Possessions are not priority. And don't get me wrong, it's nice to have things. But things are not supposed to rule your life. Cash is not supposed to be king. And so remodeled thinking, if you allow the Lord to come in your mind and begin to remodel and begin to renovate your thinking, then the Lord comes in and says, you know what, I'm gonna change the way you think about that. Possessions are not priority. Now, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to provide some good things for your family. I think that's great. I, if you wanna provide a nice car for your wife, I think that's wonderful. I think y'all don't wanna provide a nice home for your family. I think that's good. I think that's scriptural. Uh, First, uh, First Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. But the Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. This is all I'm saying. Don't let possessions rule your life. Don't do it. 
Now, let me tell you one, and I know this is, you know, this is sort of taboo, and this is off limits and all that kind of thing, but uh, we've never let that scare us before. We're not going to let it scare us today. Uh, one of the very first ways that God begins to pull people away from the will of God is through a job. Now, you say, preach, I don't believe y'all preach on that. Well, too late, done, done it. Uh, but I'm just telling you, after pastoring for a long, long time, one of the main things that I've noticed in young people's life is this, when they begin to work on Sunday, you know what? Little by little by little, it pulls them away from the house of God. Amen. And you say, Pastor, I can't find a job. That, listen, if you, you pray specifically and ask God to help you, there is a God in heaven and God is able to give you the desires of your heart if you'll honor him. But possessions are not priority. Listen, the main thing in life is not driving that nice car. Nothing wrong with that. But the main thing in life is not having that fine house or that, that $200 suit. Listen, the main thing in life is doing the will of God for your life. Remodeled thinking. Now, I know that's crazy. You know why? Because even Christian people don't think like it anymore. You know why? We've locked the door. And the Lord says... I'd like to come in and do some remodeling. No, no, thank you. And the Lord says, you don't understand how beautiful I can make it. And we said, no, thank you. And God says, I tell you what, man, I'll just give you the desires of your heart. You won't believe how happy you'll be, how beautiful it'll be. And you know what? Many Christians all across America are saying, no, 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 thank you, no, thank you. You're not welcome. But oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful day if some young people and some people said, Lord, I'm unlocking the door to my mind. I want you to come in. I want you to infiltrate my thinking. I want you to control it. I want you to remodel it. I want you to renovate it. I want you to, to metamorphosize it. I want you to transform it. And Lord, I want my thinking to be your thinking. Remodeled thinking says that death doesn't bring dread. Remodeled thinking says that possessions are not priority. We're done, but hear me on this last point. Remodeled thinking says this, popularity does not have preeminence. Now this is to our youth, and so I want all of our young people to hear me out, and we're about done. Popularity does not have preeminence. We don't have the time to go through all that I have in this outline this morning, but there were numerous characters throughout the Word of God who were so consumed with being popular. But how many know that those that were just consumed with popularity, things didn't work out too good for them? I want you to at least see one or two this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to uh, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 21. And we read about a, a, a character by the name of King Herod. King Herod. And Herod loved popularity. Oh, my goodness. He loved being lauded with prestige and people clapping and, and, and lauding him with applause. And notice what happened in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 21. The Bible says, And upon a certain, upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration. What's an oration? That's a speech. He made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. You know what the implication here, church, is this, that Herod really enjoyed that. When they said, it's a God, it's the voice of a God. And Herod said, oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that applause. I like that popularity. Look what happened in verse number 23. The Bible says, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him 
because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. You know what? Herod was consumed with being popular. Just one other place. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter number 18, your Old Testament. We read about a fellow by the name of King Saul. And King Saul started out good, but King Saul got consumed with being popular. Man, he enjoyed that, that popularity. Look, if you will, please, at 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 6. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, verse 6, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrays with joy and with instruments of music. Now watch, watch closely, verse 7. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands. Well, that sounds good, don't it? And Saul enjoyed that. Man, when they sang, he thought, yes. Oh, I like the words of that song. Who wrote that? That's catchy. Yes. Saul has slain his thousands, but they didn't stop there, did they? The Bible says in David, his ten thousands. And the Bible says in verse number eight, and Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands, and what can he have more but the kingdom? Look at verse nine, church. The Bible says, and Saul eyed David from that day and forward. You know what that means? Popularity and pride ruined Saul's life. From that day on, he was never the same after that. And you read the story and you'll find out that it went downhill and downhill and downhill and downhill until Saul died a premature death. Why? Because he became consumed with popularity. Now I'm telling young people, remodeled thinking says this, that popularity doesn't have preeminence. People are willing to do almost anything if it means to be popular today. I'll do anything. I'll drink anything. I'll take anything. We've got, we've got people that are so brain dead nowadays. They're having pill parties and just putting a bunch of pills in a bowl. And they don't know what the pills are. They're just reaching down in there and grabbing any pill. And you don't know what you're putting in your body. You don't know what you're doing in your mind. And they're doing it all because they want to be popular. And I'm going to tell you what, buddy. In the end, it don't matter what they think. You stand up and do the right thing. Popularity should not have preeminence. I read this story this week. I think it goes along with this. It said a friend who lives in a forested area found his home overrun with mice. Too many to exterminate with traps. So he bought a few boxes of decon and distributed them around the house, including one under his bed. That night he couldn't believe his ears. Below him was a feeding frenzy. In the morning he checked the box and found it licked clean. Just to make sure the plan worked, he bought and placed another box. Again, the mice went for the flavored poison like piranha. But the tasty and popular nighttime snack did its deadly work. In the days that followed, all was quiet. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's good for you. It can be deadly like sin. We're done. We're going to bring this thing to a close. Young people, listen. Preacher loves you this morning. All of our Calvary young people, won't you look up here, preacher, just for a minute. We're going to bring this thing to a close. Did you know it doesn't take anybody special 
to just kowtow to the world and do what the world wants them to do just for the sake of being popular. Anybody can do that, including me, including Brother Brandon, including any of these other folks. Anybody can just do what the world says to be popular. Anybody can. And so the world comes and the world says, come on, man, take a drink. The world comes and the world says, come on, man, take a snort. Come on, do this drug, do this meth, do this crack. And you think, well, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I, I really don't think I should. Oh, come on, chicken. Come on, chicken. Come on, chicken. And you know what? In, in, order to, in order to try to be popular, you know what we do? Don't you let the devil steal something from you this morning. You know what we do? Man, we kowtow to that, that temptation to be popular. But you know what? Popularity shouldn't have preeminence. I remember, it's been a long time, this personal testimony, but I haven't told it in a long, long time. I was in the 10th grade uh, high school, West, West Ireland, West Ireland High School. Literature class, I'll never forget it, as long as I live. Well, I showed up to the class that day, and the teacher said, all right, uh, kids, take your books out and turn to page such and such. And she said, we're going to read a play today. And I thought, man, I hated it. I hated re- reading plays. And so she went around the room, and she started you know, giving different parts to different kids and, and she was making her way around the room and as she was giving parts away to the kids, I noticed the kids began to laugh. They were snickering, sort of under the breath. They were just snickering like something was funny. She, uh, I didn't know what it was. She came to me and she said, now, uh, Stephen, I want you to read this part in the play and I looked down and I began to look through uh, the play and, and got to my part and began to look down through the play and I noticed that the, that the play was laced with profanities. Curse words, dirty, filthy curse words. And I thought, oh my, Lord, when I get to my part, please help me not to have curse words in it. But when I got to the part I was supposed to read, oh, it had cursing in it. I thought, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? My daddy taught me not to curse. I've never heard my mom, my mom's 85 years old, never heard my mom curse one time. I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? If, if my preacher heard me curse, he'd be disappointed. But Lord, here's 30 or 35 kids in this class, and, and if I don't do it, they're going to laugh at me. And if I do do it, my mom and dad's going to be disappointed in me, and, and you're going to be disappointed in me. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and you know what? She began to go around the room, and they begin to read uh, their parts. And, and, uh, and you know what? It's just free day to cuss. We was able to cuss in class that day and use filthy language in class. I thought, oh, Lord, what in the world? It finally came my time to read, and so I started reading my part, but when I got to the curse words, I skipped over the curse words, didn't read them. And the teacher stopped and said, you skipped over something. And I said to a class of 30 to 35 kids, I'm not reading those words. (laughs) Boy, they begin to laugh. They begin to point. They begin to smirk. They begin to make fun. Man, they begin to laugh. Here's, the, here's, old, here's old Holy Steve, you know. Here's the church boy. Here's the Jesus boy. Well, you know what? You call me what you want, amen? Because I don't owe you anything, but I owe him everything, amen? He died for me. He shed his blood for me, and I owe it all to him today. And I'm telling you, when you let Jesus come in and begin to remodel and renovate your thinking, it tells you that popularity is not everything there is. Popularity doesn't have preeminence. I was so thankful the other day. I was so thankful. Uh, Brother Zach called us and Taylor at the time. Taylor was in second grade. 
And he said, Dad, I just want to tell you what happened. He said, uh, Taylor, I'm talking about going to public school, public school in Los Angeles County, California. And the teacher got ready to show a, a video to the class, a music video to the class. And Taylor, not in a smart way, but Taylor raised her hand and said to the teacher, she said, may I be excused? And she said, what's wrong, Taylor? She said, we don't listen to that kind of music in our house. Second grade. Second grade. And a little second grade, Taylor May got up and walked outside and stood in the hallway, by the way, with one other girl who, who also got some courage and stood, and they went out and stood in the hallway while other other kids watched that video in the class. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? Some remodeled thinking that says, you know what? It's not about popularity. You know what we ought to have? We ought to have some young people who say, you know what? You can do drugs all day long if you want to, but I'm not doing it. And you call me every, every, listen, call me every name you want to call me. I don't care. You call me every name in the book, but I'm not doing drugs and ruining my mind and my brain. I'm not winding up an alcoholic like every other person in my neighborhood. You do what you want to do, but I'm going to keep myself right. I'm going to keep myself holy. I'm going to keep myself pure, and I am going to do something for the cause of Jesus Christ. Man, wouldn't it be great if we had some young people today who said, Lord, come on in. I'm going to unlock the door. Come on in and renovate my way of thinking. Let's bow our heads this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, I pray that, Lord, today that we'll allow you to come into our heart and our mind. And God, I pray that you'll be able to make the changes that you want to make. God, may you, may you metamorphosize our thinking, our thought processes. God, would you help us at Calvary Baptist Church to have the mind of Jesus Christ. God, would you give us some young people at this church who would say, I don't care what others do. I don't care what others say. I don't care how others live. I'm going to make something out of my life. I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm not going to become a drug addict, an alcoholic, and, and impure, and all these other things like everybody else. I'm going to do something great with my life. Our heads are about, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a question or two. And Miss Tammy, you play anytime you get ready. Number one is this. With heads about and eyes closed, I wonder who would be here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm born again and on my way to heaven. I know that I'm saved. I know that I am saved. If you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up? And you can drop it. You can take it right back down. God bless you. Mercy, that's wonderful. A lot of hands, a lot of hands all over the house. Wonderful. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm saved. And right now, you'd slip up your hand and you'd let me pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand right now? Slip it up, all right? I see that hand. Is there another? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure about my salvation. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. You'd raise your hand. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you? Anybody else? Like that here. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning very quietly, please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe today some folks need to come to this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, today I'm unlocking the door. I'm unlocking the key. 
I want you to come in and renovate, remodel my mind. We're going to pause just for a moment. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I need to be saved, I want you to come. We're going to be waiting for you. You come. While we wait, this invitation is just for you. We'll be here to pray with you if we can help you. So, Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. And, God, already you are. And I'm thankful, Lord, for those that have already responded. God, do something great today. Oh, God, I pray you would. Father, I pray that you'd keep that young person from disaster. God, give us some young people that have some courage today to stand up for right. God, give us some moms and dads that have courage to stand up for right. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. Doesn't matter how everybody else raises their kids and and has their family. We're going to serve God. It's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Have your way now, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart, I want you to come right now. Just slip out. Come on. You say, preacher, I can make a decision in my seat. You can. That's true. You can. But there's something mighty special about slipping out down to an old-fashioned altar and sealing that decision with the Lord Jesus. Folks are coming. How about you? How about you? If God's ministering in your heart, I want you to step out right now and come. Would you come? We're going to be here to pray with you if you need prayer. You come today while we wait.